0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm an inspirational speaker helping people to live positively with the challenges of life. I've had rheumatoid arthritis from my jaw to my toes since the age of five. That's 46 years now. And in that time, I've had four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced, which makes me sound like a spider. And I've been hospitalized about 40 times. I also stand about five foot one hence the nickname too tall," and that's due to the heavy daily doses of the steroid prednisone that I had to take to fight my arthritis. Despite my physical challenges, people know I always answer amazing when asked how I'm doing. I tell them 80% of the time it's true, and the other 20% of the time it's to remind myself that it's true. Find out more about me and um, this radio show at my website. It's Tom, the number two, and tall, dot com. My guest today is Bob Urichuk. This is like a homecoming for me. Uh, I'm 51, and I met Bob in my mid-20s when I lived in Ottawa, so Bob has been doing uh, what he does for a long time. Bob is an international professional speaker, trainer, and author of four best-selling books, With two new ones just being launched, Velocity Selling, how to attract, engage, and empower buyers to buy, as well as motivate your team in 30 days. He has spoken in over 1,500 cities in over 45 countries to audiences with as many as 10,000 participants in one event. Bob has also written articles and appeared in a variety of print media internationally and in Canada, where we both are from, is regularly interviewed on national radio and TV programs. Um, Bob has been recognized as consummate speaker of the year and consistently ranked in the top 10 sales gurus in the world since 2008. Recently, he was awarded the Brand Personality Award for 2013 by the Brand Laureate in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, a beautiful city that I've spoken in twice as well. He is a certified sales professional, certified master trainer, and certified social entrepreneur. Uh, which is exciting. We'll talk about social entrepreneurism. He's adopted a village in Sri Lanka through Free the Children, where he is financially responsible for the medical care and education of over 700 children who survived the tsunami. Welcome to the show, Bob.
1: Well, thank you, Tom, and it's uh, good to reconnect with you again after so many years.
0: It has been uh, uh, quite a few years, and uh, I remember... Uh, as I was saying before the show, Bob Urichuk, well, is telling my wife last night, my goodness, Bob's been doing this a long time uh, because I met him like 25 plus years ago. So uh, good to speak with you. And then we share that uh, connection in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And before the show, we were talking how, what amazing people they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was there twice in 2012. You have made that a hub of your business for a while. And those people are so nice. The country is beautiful and they treat us like VIPs when we go there.
1: Yeah, it's really something. The Asian culture is is really big on service and they know how to take care of their people without a doubt.
0: Exactly. Now uh, uh this one we didn't discuss this question, but I tend to ask it from everybody and I know you've read Think and Grow Rich, I imagine. Oh
1: definitely. It was one of the first <laughs> books I picked up and uh I would say that was the start of my whole career path. I was about eighteen years old. And um, I got involved in, I guess today it would be referred to as network marketing, and got introduced to the whole powers of the mind. And the very first book that I opened to read in this area was Think and Grow Rich, and it is the foundation to, to my success.
0: Wow, exactly. Was there anyone, so it was through network marketing, I often ask people, was there anyone? Sp- particular that suggested said, Bob, you got to read this book. But a lot yeah. of network marketing companies and a lot of network marketing leaders um, use Think and Grow Rich as a guidebook for uh, training their people.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a fantastic book. Uh, to me, it's, it's one of the best. It's, it's the foundation to it all. And uh, Napoleon Hill puts it across in such a nice, easy way, but yet practical.
0: practical, practical in ways that you can see uh, how it can be used in real life, exactly. Now, one of the main topics of uh, Napoleon Hill, the number one principle, is definiteness of purpose. And as we've mentioned, you've uh, been involved in the world of sales training a a long time, and yet very few seven-year-olds say, I want to be a sales trainer when I get older. Uh, That's
1: right. (laughs) <laughs>
0: and their parents are like, wow, Johnny, that sounds like a great one. We're going to send you to school to be a sales trainer. Uh, how did that come about? Because you, you seem to have done it uh, for a while now and uh, with tremendous success. Uh, how did it evolve this definite of purpose where you knew and you knew that you knew that this is my gift and my talent and my ability and I can share it with other people the way you do?
1: Well, I guess um, I was about 18 years old. Uh, First of all, I was born and raised in a small family business. I really didn't have a childhood. I'd, uh, you know, get up in the morning and uh, help my parents in the business and come back from school and do that. And I didn't get involved in sports or ride bicycles or anything like that. It was more of a business mentality. So I've always been involved in the, um, I guess, uh, the sales side of things since about age five. Um, When I was 18, I decided to go to uh, college in Ottawa And I didn't know really what I wanted to do, but I took a three-year business administration course. And within three, four months, um, I I was getting A's in all my subjects and going, what is this? I'm not even studying. I ended up graduating with honors, and uh, to me, it was just second nature. It's things that I was learning in in college that, you know, I already knew about uh, from the family business. So what happened was in my last semester, I got approached um, and I joined a network marketing uh, company which exposed me to the powers of the mind, things that we should be learning in school, how to set goals and how to live the life of our dreams, and these things aren't there. And I've since written books and co-authored books with other um, uh, educators so that we could get this message into the school systems at a much younger age. So what happened was is I got exposed to the goals and the minds, the power of the mind around age 18, and then at age 22, Um, I called into work sick one day because I was sick of the way my life was going. And I sat down at the dining room table. And, and Tom, maybe just uh, to ask you a few questions so the audience could appreciate where I'm coming from. Um, Who's the most important person in the world?
0: Uh, For me, it's myself.
1: Good answer. Who is your greatest enemy? Uh, Myself. (laughs) Exactly. Who would be surprised if we were in a seminar right now? (laughs) <laughs> what I decided to do, you see, is we're, we're, we we have a tendency to let our enemy control our lives. So at age 22, I decided to dedicate one day of my life to me. I sat down with a, uh, a pad of paper, and I just sat at the dining room table and looked at the paper, and I said, I wrote down, Bob, what do you want out of life? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? Then I pretended that my pen was a magic wand, that nothing was impossible, no barriers, no limitations. And I started to write, and I wrote down everything I could possibly want to be, do, or have, and I gave myself a 24-hour time limit. I wrote, 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 woke up in the middle of the night, added a few more things, drove to work the next morning, and I remember getting out of the car and holding that book up to the sky and saying, this is all I want out of life. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I worked on that for many months afterwards, but after six months, I lost that book. And, you know, uh, 18 years later when we moved into our new home, the home we're in now, I came across it. It was hidden behind a piece of furniture. I guess it slipped back there. And as I went through it, it's like, my God, been there, done that, haven't done this yet, but it's still part of my plan. So I look back at that day that I spent with myself to find myself from the inside out that made the biggest difference in my life. And it was at that point, I also asked myself the question, if there was one thing that I could be guaranteed to succeed at, uh, what would that one thing be? And I, I wrote down a professional speaker. Now, I didn't get into specifics of sales training or anything like that. That kind of evolved. I was very much into the powers of the mind and motivation and inspiration, and, and that's really where I started. But when I, at age 30, I had a business failure, and I was forced back into the corporate world. And I asked myself a question, is why am I here? And I asked this question all over the world, Tom. And, you know, uh, why do you go to work? Why do people go to work? Why do you go to work, Tom? What answer do you think uh, I get all over the world?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, fill Funny. my time, a lot of it, and to, uh, and to uh, pursue my purpose and my passion, obviously.
1: Well, that's it. But most people, what they say is they go to work to make money. And then I teach them a technique uh, from velocity selling. We call it the rule of three plus. You never accept somebody's first answer because their first answer is never the truth. You've got to question the answer, listen to the answer, question the answer. So you go to work to make money. Make money to do what? To have a certain lifestyle. The more I question that lifestyle, the more I find that what you really have is a dream that you want to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And work, nothing but a stepping stone to helping us get where we want to go. The problem with society today is they're so busy on the outside world that they don't take the time to go to the inside world to define what they want. So if, if your job is a stepping stone to helping you get where you want to go, that's great. But the problem is most people don't know where they want to go.
0: Oh, man, Bob, this is not about velocity selling. It's taking a different turn. But the number one thing that people ask me, hey, I'm a Napoleon certified instructor, and the number one principle is definiteness of purpose. So a lot of people around the world um, in various ways ask me, like, Tom, I, I don't know my specific purpose. And even myself, I didn't really discover it until I was like 45, and I would written one that I thought was mine, and someone reviewed it and said, Tom, that's not your purpose. You're trying to be someone else that we both knew. And so uh, talk a little bit about that, about really how you drill down and find out that, as you said, you called it a dream uh, could be a purpose, could be a definite chief aim. Exactly. There's something I mean, in everybody that they are gifted, talented, skilled, desirous of that would just light them on fire. And perhaps it's not even their job, but if they found that purpose, they could earn more money on their job because they would be uber-motivated to earn as that. much
1: as they can. Yeah, not only that, but they could use their job as a stepping stone to helping them get where they want to go. So here I am. I have a business failure, and I had to go in the corporate world 15 years to recover from a financial debt that I put myself in. Well, I asked myself, okay, so let's pretend it's 15 years from now. What do you see? What do you want to be, do, or have? And I looked at it and said, okay, um, I'm either in a senior position, and I stay for another 10, 15 years, and I retire with an index pension plan. Or at age 45, I leave. And I become a professional speaker and travel the world and try to make a difference. So what I did is I used my job as stepping stones. I moved myself from – I got into product development to learn how to create products. I got into marketing to learn a lot about mass marketing. I moved myself into franchising because I am now franchising Velocity Selling. I'm licensing people around the world so they can deliver this content. Wow. And then – That's, you know, that's why I went into franchising. Then they opened up a sales training department. They had 600 salespeople and 200 sales managers, and they needed someone to lead it. Well, unfortunately, a good friend of mine got the job. He didn't even know I was running against it, but he said to me, Bob, I got 50 resumes in my drawer right now. You tell me the topics you want and the territories you want, and it's yours. So I ended up taking sales training, motivation, and leadership and team skills, and I, he gave me a year. He says, go out there, find a sales training program. So what I did, knowing where I want to go, is I sat in on over 40 of the world's top sales training programs. Some of them were worthwhile. Some of them were the same old, same old traditional crap. So what I did is kind of like a best practice, and out of these best practices, I created my own selling system. Now, one of the things, Tom, that we talk about definite of, of purpose is, In velocity selling, it's a big part of it because, you see, we have four categories, and it's as simple as A, B, C, D. We start with building a solid foundation within people, which is attitude. If you don't believe in yourself, if you don't believe in your organization, if you don't believe in your products, that number is going to be written on your head, and you're not going to be able to perform. The other part is we've got to make sure you have goals because goals is your definite purpose and not just corporate goals we're not talking sales targets we're talking personal goals because you can't reach a corporate goal if you cannot reach your own personal goals you can't give something to somebody else if you don't have it inside to give away So there's a lot of foundational work to get done before you can actually get out there and make a difference in the sales and to your bottom line
0: Wow exactly exactly and so again how you can tie it into moving your job closer to your purpose Uh, all is not lost if your job is not your definite purpose and so right the problem uh,
1: we have today is you take a look at students you know they they come out of university with large student loans uh and what do they do they've spent years studying to to go into this field and then they take the first job that comes up because they need the cash flow and then they get caught up into it and they forget their purpose they forget what they really want in life. And they end up becoming corporate junkies and forgetting life and balance and looking inside. become so busy in the outside world that they never have the time to go to the inside world and get to know themselves and really define what they want out of life.
0: Exactly. And here's where the example of where I wrote what I thought mine was. And then the director of the Napoleon Hill World Learning Center, who knows me, said, Hmm, Tom. You're trying to be someone else. This is not your purpose. And when I really dug, dug, dug deep like you did, what would you do with people? Ask, ask, ask. And you're like, wow, I think I've gone through what I've gone through so that I can talk about it and encourage other people that have challenges in their life to just be positive, be positive despite those challenges. And it meant talking about my arthritis, so uh, which I almost never do. So when I actually found out my God-given purpose, like, ah, oh, Really? I don't like talking about that. But it's what benefits other people the most. It encourages them, inspires them. And so uh, then you really, as you said, when you really spend time with yourself like that and you examine deeply your life, then you can get to your purpose. And once you get to that purpose, like, uh, it changes your life. Because once you also decide on your purpose, right, Bobby, it also means that you have to decide on not doing a lot of other things.
1: That's right. Now, one of the things, Tom, I often share with people, and this might uh, be a benefit to the listeners, is uh, I always ask people, what's the most productive time of your day?
0: Like Mm,
1: for you, Tom, what would be your most productive time of your day?
0: I love it. I get up early. I'm sitting at my desk from 6.15 an hour before I need to prepare, and I do Bible reading, book reading, journaling. Okay, so
1: you're basically a morning person. Yep. I used to get up at seven o'clock in the morning, have a cup of coffee. Then I realized I was a morning person, so I decided to get up an hour earlier and dedicate one hour of my most productive time to the most important person in the world, myself. Yes, yeah. yeah. so every morning, I get up at six from six to seven, I call that Bob time. It could be you could call it your power hour, call it whatever. But between six and seven, it helps me get a focus on things. Now here's the secret behind it. We call this discipline, doing what you have to do even when you don't want to do it. Now, at 7 o'clock, the trick is this. Any behavior that gets recognized or rewarded gets repeated. So at 7 o'clock, I give myself a reward. That reward is my first cup of coffee. Now, because I've earned it, the coffee tastes much more. And then as I drink it, I give thanks for the fact that I could have a cup of coffee when there's millions of people around this world that cannot get a clean glass of water. Mm-hmm. And I start my day off with a day of, uh, an attitude of gratitude. And then, of course, from 7 to 8, I look at physical fitness, Uh, At 8 o'clock, I I allow myself to have breakfast, and again, I give thanks when there's kids in our backyard that can't afford breakfast or don't have breakfast. Now, at 9 o'clock, I go and perform at a seminar. How do you think I feel? How do you think I'm going to perform?
0: (laughs) You're (laughs) mentally fit, you're physically fit, and you're uh, where most people are at midday already, so you're just going to be firing in all cylinders.
1: When you do this, you now have it inside. And so, come 9 o'clock, you can now give it away. You can't share something with other people if you don't have it inside to give away. And that's why, if you start your day off each and every day with, you know, your power hour and and focusing on your purpose in life, it makes a massive difference. And now, there's the other side to it. If you were out partying all night last night and you didn't wake up till 8 o'clock, well, there's punishment. There's no coffee. There's no breakfast if you didn't do your exercise. So it works both ways. So the idea is to always be rewarding yourself for appropriate behavior and punishing yourself for inappropriate behavior.
0: Exactly. It works on other people, so it works on yourself as well. Well, that's
1: the theme. you've got to play on yourself to be able to make this difference in your life.
0: Exactly. And once you find that purpose, making this difference and making those choices becomes because you're living with a legacy and a purpose in mind. And so uh, watching a rerun of some useless show when you have a passionate purpose seems less uh, valuable than reading, learning, becoming a better person, sharing, whatever you're doing to to pursue that passion. And so now one thing, Bob, can you talk to uh, Velocity Selling? And I know it it, it kind of turns sales training around and sad to say, like I've read uh, over 20-some years, hundreds of books on sales, and after a while it yeah. seems like they're all the same. And, and But then yeah. also address, like a lot of my audience are, they're yeah. like, I'm not a salesperson. Well, if you're in network marketing, which a lot of my audience is, you're trying to convince someone to do something. Oh. How does this, how does velocity selling change the here's my product and here's my business yeah. and blah, 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 blah.
1: Well, Tom, what I decided to do, and, uh, and, and I, I, it's the opposite of selling. Um, you use the word there, convince. People use the word persuade. You can't convince anybody to do anything. You cannot persuade anyone to do anyone. And I'm on a much bigger uh, vision uh, or a big pur- bigger purpose, and that purpose is to change the perception and the reputation of the professional salesperson to one of high respect from what it has been. Nobody wants to get involved in sales. Nobody wants to say their sales because of, you know, the sleazy words surrounding salespeople. However, we have to understand, without sales, there's no transaction. Without transactions, there's no revenue. Without revenue, organizations would not exist, and no one would have a job. The world revolves around sales, and everybody needs to polish up their sales skills. However, it's not about convincing. It's not about uh, persuading. It's not about you. It's not about your product. Today, we have the new economy of buyers. And you could download a free white paper, the new economy of buyers, why traditional and consultative selling methods no longer work at bobu.com, that's b-o-b-u.com. Now, here what we do is we explain that it's no longer about you, it's about the buyer because without buyers, you've got nothing. Yes, you're the most important person in the world. Now you have a buyer in front of you, who's the most important person? Obviously, they are. So what we need to do is be buyer focused. And this is what the velocity selling system is all about. It does the opposite of selling. It teaches you how to attract, how to engage, and how to empower buyers to buy. So this way, you basically don't go in with the desire of, I have to close a sale. You go in with the desire to build a relationship and to maintain a relationship. Because let's face it. Sales is all about relationships. The more relationships we have, the bigger our network. The bigger our network, the bigger our net worth. Mm-hmm. Everything is going to happen out of your network in your life. And if you don't know of somebody and you have a need for something, you're going to go to your network and ask them, and they'll refer you to someone. And that's why in, in sales, it's most important to be building relationships, gaining the trust. Once people buy you, they'll buy anything you have to sell. But to buy you, you got to build that relationship. And that's really one of the first steps in the competency section of velocity selling
0: exactly and to sell you uh, one thing I've done purposely now change my thinking and when I go into a relationship or meet someone or connect with someone how can I help them how can I serve them anyway by time or, That's right. and at the same or a connection or any way I can help and when you go into a, a building a connection that way uh, man, it really builds value for them so that they become more interested in whatever you're doing as well.
1: Exactly, and you said a very important word is value. Right now, if salespeople continue to do what they're doing, they're not bringing value to the table, and this profession will become extinct because we have the Internet now. We don't need salespeople to waste our time. So salespeople have to be coming in from a position of adding value, so much value that buyers would be willing to pay you to sit in front of them. That's the way things are changing. So we have to make sure we're always focused on the buyer and bringing them value.
0: Exactly. Now, we have
1: four steps in the velocity selling system. We talked a little bit earlier about the foundation, attitude. And in attitude, we have three components, uh, attitude towards yourself, attitude towards your organization, attitude towards your buyer. Uh, and it's all about belief. Um, and where you are in life and we build a solid foundation because if you don't believe in you nobody's going to believe in you if you don't believe in your product you're going to end up discounting it if you don't believe in your um... your organization it, you know it's going to be written on your head and your body language is going to demonstrate it then we look at behavior and behavior we look at it in three components too we look at your behavior towards yourself having personal goals that's the reason that's your purpose uh... then we look at organizational goals and how to achieve them and uh, we look at things like pay time, no pay time, and when to really focus your efforts to get the bottom line results. And then we look at your behavior towards the buyers. And here we look at different strategies. And one of the strategies is we call it a roadie, return on time invested. And give you a quick example of this, Tom, uh, we, we, we break down buyers into three categories. We call them ABC, uh, following the 80-20 rule. A is 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your buyers. B is beneficial, C is convenient. When you take a look at ABC clients, A is absolute, by the way, ABC clients, which one of the three do you think is the biggest pain in the butt?
0: Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Go over those again, Bob.
1: Yeah, A is your absolute, your big clients that give you 80% of the revenue and there's only 20% of them in your right. database or in the market. B is beneficial. C is convenient. It's sort of like an airline. Um, take A is first-class business class. They pay for the plane to fly. Yeah,
0: yeah. The convenient one
1: fill up the plane. And then your C, your convenient clients are the, you know, the seat sales, for example. Now, which yeah, one yeah, the, the, would the, be the C biggest? ones.
0: The C, C ones, not exactly. the big ones.
1: Yeah, exactly. C is your biggest pain in the butt. Yet at the same time, which one wants the biggest discount, A, B, or C?
0: C, he's a discount flyer.
1: Exactly. And where do salespeople spend 80% of their time?
0: Trying to get those guys.
1: The Cs, exactly. So all they have to do is change their focus from C clients and focus on A and B clients, and they'll start to get a better return on their time invested.
0: But that might scare them as well. Because now, uh, oh, I'm going after a bigger client, and oh my gosh, rather than uh, pick off the easy ones.
1: But that's where they'll they'll really get a return on their investment. And, of course, a big part of it is how do you attract them. And we get into what we call a personal marketing plan, how you could set yourself up as an expert in your field so that uh, buyers come looking for you by name. And then, of course, from there we look at regain strategies, retain strategies, and gain strategies. Then we get into the competency side. And in the competencies we have two parts. Part one is basically learning how to become buyer-focused. Part two is all about how do you engage buyers? And we get into all kinds of questioning techniques here so that the salesperson doesn't feel in control but knows they are in control. And this is a very important part because today you take a look at salespeople, and I do this with professional audiences all over the world. And I ask the question, how many of you believe that you're, in, you're controlling the sale? And all their hands go up. And I'll go hmm. up to one and I say, excuse me, have you ever been rejected? Well, of course. Well, then who's really in control of the sale? Is it not the sales professional's job to qualify buyers and reject them?
0: Right. Like you're
1: being rejected. And you see, so here's what's happening. Salespeople are out of control. They think they're in control, but in reality, the buyer is in control. So what we do here is we teach people the techniques so that the salesperson is in control, qualifying the buyer, and if they can't help the buyer, they tell them, no, I can't help you, while maintaining the relationship and developing it for future opportunities.
0: I love it. I love it. It kind of is along the lines of David Sandler. Sandler sales training is
1: a That's little right. similar is to one what of the you ones- have.
0: It's yep. like weed through all the non-people, all the non-prospects, and just be polite, maintain the relationship, but Got don't it. sell to them. Find out quickly and don't sell to them.
1: That's right. Now that's the late David Sandler, but yes, his his system is a very good one, and it's one of the systems I visited. And as a matter of fact, <laughs> believe it or not, I brought the franchise system into uh, Canada with another gentleman from Vancouver, and I think I sold the first three franchises in Canada. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, I I do. It is a great system. So. What we've also do in this competencies part one is teach you how to empower the buyer. In other words, there's no closing lines. The closing line is as simple as what would you like me to do next? And the buyer says, Well, here's my credit card or let me get your purchase order. So what happens here is the buyer is actually buying, you are not selling. Now, to do this, we have to master these three steps. Then we get into competencies where we share a step-by-step sales system. Uh first Uh, component is you got to build rapport. You got to get that trust. And so what we do is we we ask open-ended questions to get the buyer talking. Now, what do buyers like to talk about? Themselves, their business. Our job is to get them to open up. The more they talk, the more we listen, the more we learn, and the more the trust gets built. In other words, it's about them. It's not about us. Now, we know we have rapport when the buyer is talking openly with us. Now, here's a little technique that you're going to like, Tom, and, and and your listeners as well. We call this setting the parameters or setting the ground rules. And if if you don't mind, Tom, just role play with me. Pretend you're a buyer, and I'm um, just going to ask you some simple questions and just come up with whatever, whatever answer comes to mind. Okay. So we, you might say we've been talking for five, ten minutes. You're talking openly with me, and you're comfortable with me. And I'll just interject and I'll say something like this. Oh, by the way, Tom, how much time have you set aside for our meeting today?
0: About half an hour. All
1: right. And what is it you'd like to accomplish in the next half hour?
0: Uh, I'd like to find out more about what uh, uh, you're selling to see if it would be of value for me and would help me pursue my purpose more passionately. Okay,
1: great. I'd also like to learn a little bit about you and about your organization. Is it okay if we ask each other some questions?
0: I don't mind that at all.
1: Do you mind if I take some notes? Please. Okay, great. One other thing, Tom. Um, if I can't help you, you know, I can't solve the world's problems and I may not be able to help you. If I can't help you, is it okay if I tell you no, I can't? And if I, I can,
0: yeah. I'll be
1: honest with you and tell you yes.
0: But can we work on a
1: yes no basis?
0: That would be, I uh, would appreciate that. Save me a lot of time.
1: Yeah, because what I find is a lot of people say, think it over, and think it over really means no, and it ends up wasting your time. And the last thing I want to do today is waste your time.
0: Mine too, yeah.
1: Now, do you want me to ask the first question, or do you want to?
0: Go ahead, you first.
1: All right, so what we did here, take a look through, we went through the steps. First of all, we asked how much time you set aside. Um, The meeting could have been for half an hour, or could have been uh, originally, but if we built rapport and you like me, you might be able to give me an hour. You know what I mean? But it's yep. your time. That's what's most important, your amount of time, not my time. Second thing, whose objective is more important, mine or the buyer's?
0: Theirs. They don't care about yours. There,
1: exactly. So you gave me your objectives. I built in mine. All I want to do is learn a little bit about you and your organization to determine if there's an opportunity to do business or not. Then I ask you permission to ta- ask questions because that's an important part. Always ask permission to ask questions and take notes. Only once in my life would, did I have someone say, "Oh no, I don't want you to take any notes. It's strictly confidential." And I put my pen down. That was fine. The next thing, and the most important thing, and this is non-traditional and the opposite of what sales training has always taught us, is to go for yes. I teach people to go for no. By going for no, you're making the, comf- the, the buyer comfortable with the fact that you may not be, you're not going to be pushing things on them. And that no is not you know then they may not be qualified or may not be the right fit for your products and services. So by doing that, by the way, I may not be able to solve your problems. Are you okay if I te- if I te- you know if I can't uh, to tell you no. Right away the barriers start to fall down and the people you know they just feel a little warmer to you and more receptive.
0: Exactly nice.
1: So that's a nice start. And then, of course, we go from there. We uncover what we call buying motivators. The reason why people buy your products are emotional reasons. People buy from people. However, it's those emotional reasons that is the reason why they buy. They either have a pain or a pleasure that they want to, a pain that they want to relieve or a pleasure that they want to gain. So we have to ask questions to determine if there's pain or pleasure. And as you've heard before, no pain, uh, no pleasure, there's no gain. You know, so if they don't have a desire, what's the point? No offense going forward. But as we gather the pains, we then, uh, we summarize them and we look at financial ability. Have you got a budget set aside for this? And then, of course, if they answer no, well, how do you intend on proceeding? If they answer yes, would you mind sharing that with me in round numbers? So we go through step by step to get all the financial issues on the table. And we also teach salespeople to never be the first one to put price on the table. It's not about your price. It's about the buyer and their budget and their needs. Then we take a look at decision-making. Who's, who besides themselves will be involved in the decision-making? Uh, when will they be making the decision? Then we summarize, we dis- we summarize the buyer um, buying motivators, the financial ability, and the decision-making. And it's at this point we can determine whether we could help them or not. So at this point we summarize. So if I understand it, Tom, you've got this problem, this problem, this problem, you've got this much budget set aside, And you're the sole decision-maker, and you're ready to make a decision. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Tom, remember earlier I said to you, uh, I'd be honest with you and tell you I can't help you? Based on what you're looking for and the budget available, I have to be honest with you, I cannot help you. However, I do know of someone that might be able to. Would you like me to introduce you to them? That's one option. Mm -hmm. The other option could be, Tom, you know, based on what you're telling me here, I believe I have a solution to what you've identified within your budget and within your time frame. I am prepared to present that solution to you. Are you still okay with giving me a yes or no answer at the end of my presentation?
0: Definitely. Yeah.
1: Why would I want to give a presentation without a commitment upfront of what would happen next? You see, we call it, we say we have four positive outcomes to a sales call. One is you get a sale, a yes. Two, you get a no, they're not qualified and that's a positive outcome. Three, if we didn't get a yes, we didn't get a no, we go for what we call a clear future. A clear future is, okay, we're going to get together again next week at 3 o'clock, and we're going to take it from there. If right. you didn't get a yes, you didn't get a no, you didn't get a clear future, you failed. And when you fail, you get a lesson learned. So you've got to go back and look at yourself. Where did I go wrong? What can I do differently next time to make sure I walk out with a yes, no, or a clear future?
0: Exactly, because if you don't have one of those three things, if you have, I'm going to think about it. I've oh, been in sales. I've been in sales a long time, and you know, a young person in sales, who they're they're going to think about it. No, sorry. Once they hung up the phone, that's the end of it's their over. thinking
1: about it. Yeah, yeah. They don't get back. And we teach salespeople that how buyers buy, so they could see and realize how buyers buy, so they could see that they need a better system and a better way. So then, what we do is we don't give a presentation. We give what we call a prescription. A prescription is specific to the buying motivators identified within the budget time frame. We have a rule here we call sell today, educate tomorrow. So what we do is we get the sale today, we go back tomorrow, and this is where we bring in the value added. All the other bells and whistles that come along with the product or service that you're selling. And this is rather than telling them everything up front, you tell it at the tail end and you give them more value. And by giving in more value, the buyers get excited, and, of course, they talk about you, your word of mouth increases, and away it goes. And then, of course, the last step is maintaining the relationships and developing what I call a secondary sales force. Every buyer becomes your secondary sales force. Uh, If you gave them added value, they like you and they like your products and services, they will tell others, they'll refer people to you, and that's how you build a secondary sales force.
0: Wow. Uh, Bob, do these uh, steps and ideas work for the network marketing type people Most as definitely,
1: well? and, and they're ones that need it most because... <laughs> yeah, we, they
0: don't have the training.
1: <laughs> they don't have the training, exactly. And one of the, what happens a lot of times is um, they get so excited about their product or the goal that they just set that they're right in your face with the product as opposed to um, building the rapport, asking some qualifying questions... That would lead to an open door to introducing the product. And right. it's just a, it's a systematic way of approaching people. Now, one of the things, Tom, that I get into, it's not just b to b and b to c you know, business to business or business to consumer. I, I believe it's a step more. I call it h to h Sales is human being to human being. We've applied this system in uh, every industry imaginable, and it's always about people. It's people that buy, and it's people that sell. And what you need to do, and it's the same thing with, with leadership, uh, between leaders and teams. You've got an idea to sell. Well, we've got to get them to buy into it. So following this system, we not only teach uh, team effectiveness and leadership and motivation and sales, but it's all about engaging the buyer. If you're a leader, your employees are the buyers. How do you engage your employees to come up with the ideas so that they own it, they're committed to it, and they follow through on it. And it's the same thing in sales. We engage buyers, so that they, and our job is to question them, to help the buyer discover their pain, help them discover the uh, solution, which happens to be yours, and help them and empower them to, to uh, buy the, the product themselves. Right. So it's quite a unique uh, system, and uh, it's done very well. We've been, uh, you know, maintained top 10 ranking, and it's a system that's uh, kept us in that area. And just recently, actually, just uh, last Friday, uh, we got recognized by Selling Power Magazine as one of the top ten uh, best sales books to read uh, this summer.
0: And I love Selling Power Magazine. That was uh, introduced to me by Zig Ziglar so many years ago. He was a big fan of it, and so <laughs> that is an amazing honor. I well, would be, I would be cool just to see my name in that magazine. So to get recognized like that, uh, that's like the guru of sales magazines, like if you're in yeah, exactly. sales, personal Now One of the other things bonus. we've
1: done, uh, Tom, is the, the book on the front cover um, has a little you know, tab and it says free password for interactive virtual training system. A couple of years ago, I partnered with Lightspeed uh, out of um, Lightspeed VT, Lightspeed Virtual Training out of Las Vegas, right. and we put the full sales training program on video. It's interactive video, Just you and I, eye to eye, and, um, you know, I go through a message and it could go anywhere from 30 seconds to seven minutes, and then there's workbook exercises, real-life application, and testing. Now, when we put sales teams in from corporate groups or network marketing groups, we could discount the price a bit because of the volume, but we also have management reporting. It tracks, monitors, and reports on where everybody is in the training. Now, this is one of the most advanced systems out there, and it's uh, certainly uh, a platform that is really great. And one of the things we've done as a promotion for this call as well is you could go to velocityselling.com, and you could sign up for a seven-day free trial offer, and there's no questions asked. Uh, You can experience the sales training for seven days. Now, normally it's $77 a month or $777 a year. But like I say, you get seven days to witness it, check it all out. So a lot of the things we've been talking about here – Is there. If people want to download an excerpt uh, or a chapter of Velocity Selling, they can go to velocitysellingbook.com and download a chapter. And we also have another book that we just put out called Motivate Your Team in 30 Days. And this is more for team leaders on how to engage their team members. And they could get a copy of uh, that chapter and an outline of the book at bobu.com forward slash motivate team.
0: Motivate team. Excellent. I'm on the website now, and there are a lot of great resources on there. And so I am going to be one of the people to subscribe to uh, get the free ebook as well. And I highly recommend anybody, uh, entrepreneur, network marketing, if you're in corporate sales, whatever sales you do, um, Bob's plan will make it easier for you. Uh, it really helps you to eliminate the non-buyer's. Uh, and get those uh, and, and to present properly rather than just to be selling, selling, selling all the time. Right. And so, yeah, engaging, Bob, yeah. Bobu.com, that's a pretty nice one, easy to remember, because if it was Bob Urichuk, you'd have to be spelling uh, Urichuk a lot.
1: It's funny, people say, how do you pronounce your name? I go, what do you mean? It's BobU.com. <laughs> BobU.com.
0: And U is not Y-O-U. It's the letter U, so BobU.com. Yeah. One of the so other much.
1: things that's happened yeah. is uh, Selling Power University just started, uh, based on the Selling Power magazine, and they've right. adopted Velocity Selling as their first uh, selling system uh, virtual training program. So it's also available through uh, Selling Power for any subscribers. You can uh, you know, get some free videos uh, through Selling Power as well.
0: And I'm excited about your franchising. I work for uh, Brian Tracy Franchisee here in Mississauga uh, for a number of years. Uh, that's a great system. It was delivered by facilitators and video and very well done workshops and uh, just a tremendous business model that allowed Brian Tracy to expand and grow his uh, corporate training business.
1: Yeah, well, that's the same thing we do here is we do what we call train the trainers. Mm -hmm. And then we certify them to deliver the programs, whether it be the virtual, the online. But we also get them to go out and speak and represent the product line for coaching and training within a region of their choice.
0: Wow. Excellent. Uh, that will be uh, interesting uh, and uh, a great way for people who want to get into the business but don't have the curriculum to deliver, uh, partner with you and get to do what is possibly their definite purpose and passion with a proven process uh, and system that works.
1: Exactly. And that's the whole idea. See, You see, I'm also at the point where uh, I'm a little older than you and, uh, you know, I, I am getting on in my days. But I have to, um, you know, I I want to share the system with as many people as I can and make a major difference not only uh, in people's lives but in the profession of sales, as I mentioned earlier, uh, to get that profession to an area of high respect uh, because I think it's one of the greatest professions out there, providing we do it properly.
0: Yeah, exactly. It is an amazing profession. My dad was in it all his years uh, of work and always would let me know that, you know, that is the key position, uh, a revenue. Everything else is an expense. And so if you can be passionate about sales, you will likely have a a job and a career, however you want, uh, if you're passionate about it and good at it.
1: You got it. Now, Tom, um, one other thing you mentioned, you are amazing. I need to tell you a story about the word great. Yeah. I'm in Dubai having breakfast, and I see a gentleman walking towards me with a long face. And I look at him, I say, oh, my God, i got to help him have a better day. What can I do? And, I, and not, I, couldn't, I didn't have time to think as he walked by me. I just looked at him. I said, good morning. He looks at me, and he says, good morning. I said, how are you today? He said, just fine. I said, just fine? <laughs> how do you think your day's going to be if it's just fine? He said, it'll be just fine, thank you. How are you? I said, excellent, fantastic. As a matter of fact, it's going to be a great day. And he looks at me and he goes, whoopee. Why is it going to be a great day? I said, well, first of all, do you know what GREAT stands for? G-R-E-A-T. He says, no, tell me. I said, it stands for getting really excited about today. He says, why are you excited about today? I got out of my chair and I said, because I woke up this morning. I could see, I could hear, I could walk, I could talk. And you know what? One of us may not be here tomorrow should this be the greatest day of our life? He looked at me and he says, I like your attitude. Can I join you for breakfast? It turns out he was a senior executive of a uh, corporation where he just down, downsized and had to lay off about 500 of his friends,
0: and he was feeling
1: the pain. And at the end of our conversation, he said, well, listen, I'd like to invite you in. And we went in, and we started to develop a whole new culture with the people that were there. But it's amazing how when you go out of your way to make somebody else's day better, what could come back? And I, I, as you use amazing, I use the word great, getting really excited about today. And I think if people could just say that a few times in the day, they'll start to have a great day.
0: Exactly. And they got to say it like they mean it. And they got to have a, a little sales talk about it because people are going to ask them, why is it so great? And if you yeah. just say, well, just because I say so... Like no, no, no. I tell them, I remind up. them like like you do. I remind people, hey, four out of ten people in the world don't eat every day. So come on, right, right. What did I do to be entitled to eat versus them that didn't?
1: Oh, well, we have a lot to be thankful, and it's that attitude of gratitude is is part of the whole message in being great.
0: Can you tell me about social entrepreneurism, because I'm just learning about this recently uh, through some other Um, uh, organizations that I've looked at, and I'm fascinated by this. Very cool.
1: I guess uh, having traveled a lot in Asia and stuff, uh, uh, 10 years ago I had a bad accident. I broke my femur in five places, and I was told I'd never be able to walk again. And it took me one year to recover from it through physiotherapy and things, and I had a lot of downtime, so... I was thinking a lot, and you know, I've reached all my goals. Why am I still doing this? And um, and then I remember, uh, when I was 22, I set five goals for myself, and the first one was to make a difference in the world. And the rest of them were, you'll kind of like this: I want to make a difference in the world while I see the world, preferably first class, expenses while making big U.S. dollars. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but it all got. A- and the one that I felt that didn't make a, di- I did not make a difference in the world. And that's where um, the tsunami hit shortly after that thought, and that's where I started to feel it. And I figured I could make a difference there. So I got involved by, whenever I was in uh, Asia, I would take side trips out to orphanages and visit them. And, um, and I'd lost about 10 friends in the tsunami in Sri Lanka. And so what I did was um, I felt after visiting a number of them that I really wasn't... Um, making a difference. You know, I'd visit them and, and give them a bit of money and stuff like that. And then I came across uh, Mark and Craig Kielberger out of Toronto on Free the Children. And uh, their story is amazing because he he was 13 when he started it. Today they're in their early 20s, and they have over six, 700 schools around the world. And one of the programs they offered was Adopt a Village. Now, it's a pretty hefty amount of money, And um, I felt I, you know, I couldn't afford it. And I asked, you know, can I pay this over the course of a year or two? And they said yes. And so we started. And wouldn't you know it, when I committed to it and made the first payment, within two or three weeks, I landed one of the largest contracts I ever had and uh, ended up paying that really quick and adopted this village. And I've got, uh, it's about 700 and some kids, uh, basically um, giving them education, medical care, job creation, so that they can make a difference, and these are all orphans that survived the tsunami. So it gave me great pleasure, and I can cont- contribute, continue to contribute after even adopting the village to make sure that it was well, so it went well. And now I'm looking at also supporting them in building other schools. So what I've done, um, and it was another organization I got involved with in uh, Bali, Indonesia, uh, was called Excel Results Foundation, and what we did there was entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs to create more wealth. So, Tom, if I can help you generate an extra 100000 a year, would you be willing to give 10% of it back to a charity of your choice?
0: Oh, believe me, I already do. So if I could, and, I would do it again.
1: Yeah, so that's the kind of message is entrepreneurs helping entrepreneurs to create more wealth so that we could give more back. So the thing is we don't believe – or entrepreneurs are really the heart of, of – the world in the sense of uh, activity. I don't believe corporate or government can make a difference uh, in poverty, and I think entrepreneurs together, if we all gave 10% of our earnings. Now, the way they classify you as a certified social entrepreneur is you give 10% of your net earnings. I don't wait for the net. I I have this policy that within seven days of getting paid, 10% of the gross goes into an account which goes towards a charity. and uh, now. many different charities, but and I even put it in my fee menus that, you know, whatever you're paying me, 10% goes to a cause, Um, and, you know, I usually recognize the client in that as well.
0: Nice, 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 and uh, so powerful, and actually, if there was one thing I could get across to people, it would be that principle, because... It's almost like a mathematical formula that the more you give, it's the going the extra mile principle of Napoleon Hill's. Exactly. Uh, yeah, if you give and serve, if you give time, money, and energy, and thought to helping other people, somehow it comes back to you. And you're like, wow, where did that come from?
1: Uh, but, you know, it's also tough uh, for many people, you know, at a young age where you're starting a career and you don't have money to give. But it's not just financial. Put a smile on someone's face. Give a compliment, make somebody's day. That's that's giving as well, and that can make a big difference. And I think as you get older in life, and you realize that you've accomplished everything you wanted, I'm at a point of contentment. I've accomplished everything I wanted. I actually retired uh, three years ago and, and took a year off. And it was uh, that uh, two years ago was I turned sixty, and it was the year of the dragon. The first year of the dragon in sixty years. I got ranked number four in the world's uh, top sale, thirty sales gurus. And this is when I got approached by Lightspeed uh, because I was sick uh, sick and tired of traveling, and they came up with the virtual training idea where I don't have to travel and I can make my material accessible and affordable to everybody. Because that was a challenge I had, and the reason that led me into retirement was, you know, the recession came, uh, people were paying me crazy money for a day's work, um, but, you know, once a client pays it, I can't go under it. You know, if someone pays you... X dollars for 30 days, well, you can't really go less than that for one day. Um, So I I maintained, uh, you know, being ethical and maintained fee integrity with clients, but it got to a point where, geez, the average man could not afford me. How can I get to them as well and make a difference there? And this whole online virtual training process has made that difference. Now it's accessible and affordable to everybody, um, and it allows me to give more at the same time. So as I find as we get older – We want to share what we know and make this a better world to live in.
0: Amen. Amen. Wow. Uh, We could go on for a long time, Bob. But uh, thank you so much for your time today. It's exciting to reconnect with you. And it's nice to see someone who uh, actively gives back to the world, recognizing, uh, and you had mentioned a few times, we are blessed in North America. And if we don't give back, it's kind of like slapping God in the face for... Letting yeah. us live in such an amazing country uh, without helping other people in return.
1: You don't know how good you've got it until you don't have it. Be thankful each and every day. And I'd like to leave you with just a little message, I think, which is appropriate to the Velocity Selling System to motivate your team and all the books I've written. And it was uh, first uh, put out by Theodore Roosevelt, and it just makes so much sense. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care.
0: Exactly. And if you truly care and care a lot, uh, you've built a, a friend, and it makes selling a lot easier because now they know they value you as a person.
1: Exactly, and once they buy you, they'll buy anything you have to sell. Exactly, and but, and but if
0: you're it. the right and if you're the right salesperson, you won't sell them anything you shouldn't sell them.
1: That's right. You be honest with them, and you tell them so. Can't
0: exactly. help you. Wow, exciting to talk to you, Bob. I'm in Ottawa fairly regularly, so next time I'm there, I hope to uh, somehow arrange to see you again, and uh, really nice to connect and have yourself an amazing day.
1: That would be fantastic, Tom, and I look forward to that. Have yourself a great day as well.